0: look at your husband. Is he alive? Okay, your mother-in-law passes the test.
1: What fresh hell.
0: Laughing in the face
1: of motherhood. You want to try to save somebody these steps of, of craziness and yes. overthinking? With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. You just do stuff. You just You just rise to these incredible occasions when they come. A podcast that solves today's parenting
0: dilemmas. So you don't have to. That is bonkers. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the What Fresh Hell Podcast. This is
1: Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we're discussing, did we really do that? <laughs> did we? We did. I mean, we definitely did. We, did we picked it. this topic last week. I forget how it came to us, but like, oh, that's a good one. Yes. And, and did we
0: really do that positive? And And did we really do that? What were we thinking?
1: Yeah, we didn't really, we put this on our Facebook page and we didn't really specify. We're looking for things that you look back and say, did I really do that? And we got a couple of different categories. We got like the absolute super overachievement thing that we can't believe that we ever accomplished. And also the, you know, really bad moment that we can't believe we were ever quite that Bad
0: Santa of a mom. I think Uh, in the bad mom advice episode, we were talking about a lot of things that kind of brought us to this topic. Like, did we really roll the onesie off and then wash it? Like, why didn't we just throw it away? Right, right. It was a lot of kind of revisiting those times and thinking, "Hmm, did we really do
1: that? And this, and with this, seems to come a lot based on the responses everybody gave us. It's a lot of um, newborn baby craziness, which is just sort of right. comes. It's the, the craziest
0: of all the craziness.
1: It's the because it's the it's the biggest change, right? It's the it's the binary zero to one. You did not have a child, and now you do. That's that's when you do the, You do the craziest stupidest
0: and most superhuman stuff. Well, also importantly, you don't recognize the crazy until you're out of it. So I'm doing crazy stuff now that I don't know is crazy. You're right. And then in several years, I'll look back and be like, wait, did I really do that? Did I really carry three instruments to school instead of letting my kids carry them themselves? Like, I don't see the crazy that I'm doing now. I already have that about like my weekends of
1: 18 months ago. Like, did we really... Go to five games in one weekend that were in yeah. three different boroughs of New York City. Did that it happen? Monks. Yeah, it's it's bonkers. And you know it while you're doing it, but you really only know you really only know the crazy crazy when it's over. And
0: some you don't even know. You're like, oh, this seems very normal to me, but you're wrong. It's not normal. And it's it's a little touchy, especially for a new mom. You don't want to um, be the one to point out that. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, crazy, could you come here for a second? And then there's Margaret. (laughs) I got no shame in my game. You're nuts. so Oh, my God. We sat behind a mom on a plane recently and I was like, you don't need the six bags, mom. The flight's only two hours long. (laughs) But I didn't that I didn't tell her. I try not to assault strangers. That's a new rule that my husband has helped me work on in my life.
1: When uh, the the over bags for me was the first um, time going to the hospital, like in in labor with my first child, we had so much stuff, including a pillow for me and a pillow for my husband and a CD player. Hello, oldie locks alert. Ding a ding a ding a ding. Ding a ding a ding a ding. And uh, was there a phonograph involved at any point, Amy? There was a Victrola. No, th- it was it was a CD player and. And and like a couple, uh, like options and
0: snacks and I think like massage and oil like a, and like a multi-page. I'm telling you right now that a multi-page birth plan was involved in this picture. It I I
1: worked really hard to make the font really small so it would fit on one page. <laughs> I was given on good advice. Yeah, did I ever have a birth plan? Yes, I did. And and that but that you really wanted to try to keep it to to a one pager. So I did, but I mean I had to be really creative with the
0: margins. I would like some hidden camera footage of the OB nurses receiving birth plans. I mean, God bless them.
1: They and it, and you know what happens. And I was so ready to be like, oh, I know you're probably not gonna like this, but this is my plan. And I'm they, not like the other crazy moms. Right. And they, <laughs> mine is fits on one page. And and they probably get eight an hour, right? And they're just like, okay, put this in the recycling bin with the rest of
0: them. Well, what you say about what makes what did we really do that? It's your one baby and it's their 900th baby. Right. And so that is what makes the differential between like, did we really do that? The things you do with your first kid, you'll never do with your third kid because you don't have the bandwidth to devote your entire life to thinking, what will make my baby's life ideal and happy?
1: I didn't even do like all that stuff I brought to the hospital for my first child. P.S. We were then sent home because I was in labor, but I wasn't in labor enough. So they Ooh. sent me home to labor at home comfortably. <laughs> but I mean, I didn't even make that same mistake twice, six hours later. When we went back to the hospital, I was—I uh, we were uh, throwing stuff overboard pretty quickly. Yeah, we're not going to bring the boppy. <laughs>
0: With us. Let's go. <laughs> Let's just jettison some. Because we're
1: of doing this stuff. in a taxi also. And they, I'm, I mean, it's so funny to try to remember. Like, we could barely fit the two of us in everything we thought we needed for the birth in a taxi. Right. And you're going to a hospital. Right. Like you're
0: not going into a wooded area. You're and, going somewhere where they have a lot of things. And PS
1: in New York City where if you forgot your deodorant it's kind of you right know, there is a
0: CVS in the lobby of every right. every building in New York City. Right. And when well, I look okay. back on this
1: stuff like you you really wish I mean, all the parenting writing I've done over time and you probably have the same perspective. Like if you want to try to save somebody these steps of of craziness and yes, overthinking. Yes. Um, you really like I wish you could just skip to chapter four and but I'm not sure it's possible no. now. I think you just have to let no, it No, it's
0: like trying to explain to a teenager in the eighties why getting a perm is a bad idea. Like you have to let them discover it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Everyone is like, I would look awesome with a perm. I I don't think people do perms anymore, but there's an equivalent now. But you want to stop people. You want to stop your 12-year-old self from getting that perm. But it was a road you had to walk to get where you are. That's right. That's right.
1: (laughs) I, I had a perm and I used hot rollers every morning because it just wasn't enough.
0: Oh, God. I had such a bad perm. I saw this picture in a magazine of a girl with like icy white, blonde hair that was really tightly curled and she had a, of course, the part that you always forget when you look at those pictures, she had a gorgeous face, like a perfect face. She would have looked good bald or with like a mohawk. She would have looked good with any hairstyle. And I tried to get them to recreate the hairstyle and um, it came out like highlighter yellow and then like I'm trying to think of a celebrity who has like really tightly curled hair, like Fred from The Wonder <laughs> Years. Like, I mean, it was so bad. I <laughs> have get to be famous. I'll put it up on Facebook. It's, oh, guys, if I could spare you the perm, I would. But I don't think I can.
1: So, wait, yeah, we're not going to spare anybody any of this. We can only commiserate at, at how many of these things that our listeners say they can't believe they ever actually did that were that everybody else is saying, oh, yeah, me too. I did that. I did
0: that. All right, Amy, give me your best. Did you really do that?
1: Well, my my example that I I put on Facebook was that I uh, woke a sleeping infant repeatedly,
0: repeatedly. Oh, you've said that, and that that is bonkers. I was on
1: assignment, and Heather responded on Facebook and said, "I think I read the same book as you," and I'm I'm certain that she did. the The idea was that to organize your your baby's nighttime sleep. And by the way, I was given this book by parents who. Um, Claimed to have their baby sleeping through the night at six weeks, and, and they, had, they had no reason to lie. Perhaps they were lying, but, but
0: they, they swore well, by it this might method. Have worked. It must have worked for someone, or it the must book have worked for have somebody been pulled once, and the <laughs> writer arrested. I'm not going to name the book because
1: I don't want to uh, either no, be sued or the give the guy business. But he also was a sort of spare the rod, spoil the child Christian guy, like very problematic. Uh, and I will say about. that this idea that you. Um, the, the overall notion that that the parent decides when it's time for a nap and the parent decides when it's time for the baby to get up, like I guess I like that, but just let your baby sleep because I was waking I was waking my infant to nurse every three hours all night long. And PS nursing, so which which, as you know, means nobody else can do it, only me. And so I'd have to wake him at three a.m. to nap, like it was my job, and so I'd start being awake at like two fifteen because I had to wake to be, him at three. I had to wake to him nurse. at three. Couldn't be two thirty. Couldn't be three thirty. Had to be three. And um, I know my mother and my mother in law just thought that was so cockamamie, but they um, they went with it. They bit
0: their tongue. Yeah,
1: they, they'd take a turn and like come oh, get my me. My mother when it was would midnight. have been like, "That's nonsense. We're not doing that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think it probably is a, a grandmother's rule to hold her tongue. And they were both uh, masters of that. But boy, they must have thought that was crazy because it was it was crazy.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: How about you? You have one for me?
0: Well, I mean, my overarching did I really do that is that I had three children in diapers. I had this is like a good one, right? Like was this could I possibly have achieved this? Well, just like did I really do three children in diapers changing like I don't even know what the multiple is. What is that? 20 diapers a day. I It's it's an enormous amount of diapers. And so just looking back like, wow, did I really have three kids who were all in diapers? I did. Bad days. I don't want to go back to them, but I got to give myself a little bat pack. Bat pack? Back pat <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, and then the other did I really do that is that I came extremely close to having my first baby in the car. <gasps> okay. And I got to tell us that. I went into labor. Talk about my mom who, who didn't put up with nonsense. And we came down and I was like, whatever, eight days overdue, came downstairs. We had a funny apartment that had like a loft bedroom. So it was a bedroom upstairs, but just a bed upstairs. My mom was staying in like the bedroom, which was downstairs. And I came down in the morning and I had woken up being like, Oh, I feel really nauseous. I don't feel well. And then it, took me I think I was like I think I'm in labor and I heard if you take a really hot shower sometimes it'll bring labor on took a super hot shower and by the time I was done with the shower I couldn't stand up anymore in the shower I was like sitting down I was so I felt horrible but it wasn't like I had expected like labor pains that came and went every 10 minutes it was just this overall feeling of feeling really nauseous and like intestinal distress that that was what I felt like I had and then I got out of the shower And my mom said, you need to go to the hospital right now. And I said, I don't know. I just, it just started. I was afraid of what happened to you. They're going to send me back home. I don't, everybody says, don't rush to the hospital. The second labor starts. And this is all, we're talking, we're seven minutes in from me waking up at this point. And she's like, no, no, you need to go right now. And she basically grabbed my husband by the lapels and said, you need to go to the hospital. I don't want to hear anything else. We got in the car. I couldn't sit down and buckle my seatbelt. I rode kneeling backwards and hugging the back of the seat. I had the baby about six minutes after we walked oh, into the hospital. Oh my, this is your first child? My first, yeah. And so I walked in. They were like, what's your social security number? And I, I said, I, I need a garbage can. And I started throwing up into the garbage can. And they're like, we need you to get... Or give you a urine sample. And I said, I, I don't think I can do that. And of course, they're thinking like, oh, here's this lady just panicking. I said, I have to lie down. Please let me lie down. And they're like, uh-oh, she's out of control. And as soon as I laid down, I said to the nurse, I'm pushing. I, I feel the baby's coming out right now. And in, indeed, like the doctor came in, pulled up the sheet and was like, oh, I see blonde hair. And that was the baby. Wow. And you so did it. I, I did that. I'm going to give you a backpack pat for that. A backpack <laughs> pack Pat. I guess I'm too used to saying the word backpack that I can't say backpack <laughs> anymore. So yeah, I mean, I think like things, a lot of motherhood is doing things that you kind of didn't really expect to be able to do. I said this on the Facebook page the other day, facebook.com forward, what fresh hellcast to follow all these conversations we're having all day. But it was a snow day and I was like, my kids are like, can you make snickerdoodles? And I was like, yeah, I guess I'll figure that out. And then can you hem the pants of my mayor of Munchkinland outfit and figure out a way to make the hat fit. Okay, can you fix this lightsaber that has a faulty circuit? I'm like, I guess let me Google that. And it really is like being a mom, a lot of it is just like, I guess I'll figure out how to do that.
1: It's just sort of MacGyvering your way through life and your children's lives. And in some ways it's a great feeling. Like, oh, I'm capable of a lot of things. I made... Uh, my daughter's bun this morning, she goes to ballet three times a week, and I made a bun that was so good. I took a picture of it to oh, show to you've her got to post that and thing. then she was like calling my husband and and her brothers over to see the bun I made and I mean it was gorgeous. I thought like should I have a side hustle? You should have a, a
0: YouTube channel. Like
1: a bridal hair person because it's it's it that would looks be like good. A big you could take clients bun.
0: at home while the kids are at school. Right. You could expand your empire, Amy. This is
1: really what I need. So, so uh, so yes, you take you take pleasure in these small things that you've I didn't know how to make a good bun 12 months ago, but I sure do now. What, did you YouTube it? Uh, no, I watched a like 17-year-old ballerina at the same ballet studio do her own hair without even looking. Now, I'm not that good yet. She oh, can do it without okay. looking. I'm looking. But I watched her, and while well, my daughter was also gazing at her, like, oh, to ever be this creature, this yes. swan-like princess. And she was... Very bored, you know, twisting her own hair into a bun while she was munching an apple or something. and and we both just stared at her and I, and I figured it out. But let's go back to the newborn years because I think it occurred to me while you were telling the story that you go through this completely bonkers out of control experience that under the best of circumstances, is whoa whoa whoa. like I, my my body just got taken over, and I was put in service of something larger, and that was completely Which is the birth, thing the yes. birth right. And you return home, and you are sort of like, okay, now is going to be a complete, uh, very strict return to order and control, <laughs> which I will okay. impose. And That's everything's to Go back to the way yes, it was. Go ahead. Well, okay. So, Sarah on our Facebook page, she had twins, which did you really do that, Sarah? Did you really have twins? <laughs> did you really do that? I guess she did, because she says so. So she she said, when my twins came home from the hospital, I carefully labeled their pacifiers with their initials as if it were going to be remotely possible to keep their pacifiers separate. What person in their right mind would pass up a pacifier if one
0: was needed because it didn't have the right name on it? (laughs) I like that she says, what person? Like, this is a 32-year-old walking by and taking a hit off a pacifier. That's funny. But that's the classic misperception. Right. Where you, I mean... All of mothering infants, especially, although I think it's probably the same even for bigger kids, is walking through the equation. This is how this is going to go. Oh, no, it is going to go a way I could have never perceived. Right. But you do
1: sort of perceive under this sort of sweetly uh, misconceived notion that you are in charge and you're going going to be able to put enough control on it to make it work the right. way you think it's going to you're work. You're going to put initials on the pacifiers. Instead of the way it is going to work. I thought I thought, Sarah, that you were going to say put initials on the pacifiers to tell the babies apart because that would be... <laughs> That would be hard. I mean, I don't know what kind of twins they were. Maybe they weren't that identical
0: or even similar, but but that would be... I would be so stressed if I brought home twins and yeah, had to Yeah, I wanted them twins so badly. I just thought the idea of twins was so wonderful. But looking back, I guess I'm glad. Well, I then I had... I, wanted, I got married at 37, and I really wanted to have kids. And I wanted... I come from a family of four, and most of... Uh, Irish Catholic family, a lot of... All my cousins are like four, six, five, you know, that we don't have small families. And so I always want to have a big family, 37 years old. And I sort of thought, well, let's see how many we can have. And I thought, oh, twins are what I really need. Because, you know, apparently older people are more likely to have twins, but I don't have twins in the family. But I was like, ah, twins, twins, twins. So I'm pregnant and I'm like, oh, let it be twins, twins. And it's not a twins. Then I'm pregnant again. I'm like, oh, let it be twins, twins, twins. And then surprise, I'm pregnant for a third time and I'm like no twins. Oh my gosh. Not twins. I have
1: two friends who the surprise third child was in fact a surprise third and fourth. Oh, yes. Child. One of those
0: friends we know in common. I don't think so. I think we no. have three. Eddie two three. Yeah.
1: Our friend Eddie. Oh Eddie, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. No, this is this is two, so two you women. So i know three so yeah.
0: people like that. So beware everyone. Yeah. Third child turns into third and fourth. Child. Did they really do that? Did they really do that? That is that is amazing. Back to the overthinking
1: infants, Gretchen says that she hand-washed and sterilized every part of her pump every single night yeah I mean you're supposed to do that but whoa I didn't I gave up on that after 10 seconds I mean like once in a while I did it she said second baby that stuff went in the dishwasher I I, I didn't really pump oh. I hated it so much I just never did it um but yeah in the dishwasher I had a friend who was from London living in New York and we had our babies at the same the same week and so we just we met at a mommy's group and ended up being together all the time when you when your babies are little it's just sort of what are you doing today bring him over when he wakes up and anyway she would boil. All the parts of a bottle every time she used it, she brought it all to a rolling boil for fifteen minutes because that's what you did every time you used a bottle. and so I mean, I had the American perspective of like that's that's not true. We don't do that, and so then i I did have at an early at an early stage in my parenthood a perception of, gee, maybe some of this stuff I think is non-negotiable and so so important isn't really that important.
0: Right. And a lot of that stuff... I mean, the problem with this whole mentality with babies and every kid is that you can't argue against it. Like, well, what if some bacteria got trapped in there and got the baby sick? Like, right. That would be real bad. Like, you don't want that. But I just don't want to spend my whole life boiling bottles. So we're just going to hope for the best. <laughs> right. It's a vote for nursing is what it is. Forget pumping Well, and I mean, the just nursing nurse. thing is definitely easier,
1: but... Wait, isn't there something you're supposed to, um, there was something you were supposed to like put on, like lanolin, you were supposed to use lanolin like seven times a day, and uh, I didn't do any of that stuff either, but uh, I can't, I, I look back on that, and I can't believe I did that either, that I that I fed three children from my body who are now walking around, like that's in the, that's in the plus column, that's that's kind of
0: remarkable, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's, that's a back pat. That's a back pat. My whole birth experience, while fast, was rather... um, I had an overdue baby with a large head and who came in like 15 minutes, which there are goods and bads, but the bad was that I had a lot of damage from the birth. Mm -hmm. And I just looked... I think it was something I was kind of ill-prepared for, like how unbelievably physically uncomfortable I would feel after having a baby and that's something that i look back on and i'm like i feel like people should talk about that a little bit more yeah how unbelievably hard that first couple of weeks really is yeah and i think there's a lot of stuff around breastfeeding that because 30 40 years ago breastfeeding became this thing where people were like it's gross it's painful it's it's somehow like unnatural and people fell away from breastfeeding that the campaign to get people breastfeeding again has been a little bit like, it's not painful. It's easy. It's the best. And I'm totally pro breastfeeding, but I found it a little disconcerting how much you weren't able to be like, this is unbelievably painful and hard for me personally. It's a hard, it's a hard week, right? It's a hard sort of first. Ooh. I had a, a hard first three weeks, I would say. And then after that, it's like, you got to get through it. And then the unbelievable convenience and ease of it was like the greatest thing ever. And yes. I, it was, I don't know. I would go <laughs> to these lactation consultants and they were like, oh, it's," and I was like, wait, lady, uh, am I crazy? This is really hard and painful. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I feel like they kind of were like, no, no, it's not. And I just felt like we were in opposite world.
1: You were loving this. But then on top of it, there's this. So you're going through that stuff yourself. And then on top of it, there's this sort of expectation of hypervigilance that we bring upon ourselves. That So Nicole said that she didn't realize that she could leave her baby in a room unattended. I mean, safely unattended, like in a bassinet. And so she would pick up the bouncer or the bassinet and bring it in the bathroom with her to go to the bathroom because she didn't she didn't understand she could leave her baby unattended for 25 seconds.
0: Yeah, I remember when my sister-in-law who has 4 came when I had a baby and I just remember thinking I was like I had I lived in an apartment building with a, you know, coin washer dryer that was two stories down and trying to carry a bassinet and the laundry and the coins and leave the bassinet on the floor while I try. And when you have a newborn, you have a ton of laundry right. spitting all over everything. Like, and I was like, I can't manage it. And she's like, do it while the baby's sleeping. While he's taking a nap, go down and do the laundry and then come back. You're gone for like seven minutes at a time. It's totally fine. And I remember thinking, I'm so glad she told me that. <laughs> Because I would have never given myself permission to do it, but wow, it really made a big difference in my life. a big difference. Did you
1: ever, I think the answer is going to be no, but did you ever write notes, thank you notes, or uh, notes to babysitters in the voice of the baby?
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) I didn't either. (laughs) I mean, but no, capital N, capital O. But we have a listener named Michelle... Who, <laughs> told Michelle? Us, Michelle. We now she
1: has a talk. sense of humor. She can't believe she did this either. But she's, <laughs> okay, it's a. Did she really do that? Did she really do that? Here's her entry. She said, "I wrote my son's daily schedule as a note to my mother-in-law from the baby when she came to watch him for an overnight because she never followed the schedule I gave her. So she must have decided to up the ante and don't forget, Grandma. I like my bottle warmed up. I don't know oh. what she. I wish I would love. I would pay a lot of Michelle. money to see this document."
0: I would like to see it too. And I would like to interview your mother-in-law on the next podcast.
1: She says that, can you imagine the eye rolls my mother-in-law was giving me, but she never said a word. See, that they, they're good at that. She said that she saw this, Michelle saw this on Baby Center okay. and thought, what a cute idea. I'm going to try that.
0: <laughs> right. That's a woman who has spent too much time alone and <laughs> forgotten what it's like to participate correctly in humanity. Yeah, yeah, you you do lose perspective. You that. definitely lose perspective. I would say in general, and I've done it, I mean, I, I remember with the kids, and I do feel like with a baby, when I would take care of my sister-in-law's baby, she would write me a long note. And I do think with the baby, sometimes it helps because the baby would start crying and I would look at the note and say, oh, the baby's tired. I forgot to feed it the last hour or... Oh, the baby's probably sleepy because nap time's in 10 minutes. Like I felt, I found the schedule very helpful to have, but in general, I, we're going to break, but I'm going to leave on this very controversial point. Stop telling your mother and your mother's in law how to raise your baby, how to take care of the baby. She doesn't Even keep, not in
1: the, in the baby's voice or in your voice. You're, you're going to say any voice. You're
0: taking a stance. I feel like look at your husband. Is he alive? Okay. Your mother-in-law passes the test. <laughs> look at yourself. Are you alive? Okay. They're doing you a favor. Maybe if they're your full-time caregiver, you need to get a little bit on the same page with stuff. But I would say in general, and I mean, come at me on Facebook if you want. I mean, I I give my mother-in-law a schedule. They got to be at the soccer game at this time. You got to pick them up, but they really like the bottle best when it's exactly this temperature. Get over yourselves. Get I over like yourselves. Did you really do that? People? Did you really do that? Are you still doing that? I think you can skip it. That's my advice. All right. With that, I think we should take a break. Yeah. And Amy, when we, we come said, back, we're going we're to go to some super mom accomplishments. I like that. Some backpack backpats. Yes. We'll be right back. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I am actually happy when I open my sock drawer and I see those Bombas peeking out. Amy, they spark joy. I'm glad to hear
1: that. And you wouldn't think that socks could spark joy, but I know that you're right because I feel the same way. I mean, who would have thought it, Amy? Who would have thunk it? They're like a little bit of happiness in my morning when I have bombas to put on because they they just get all the little details right. The cotton is snugly in a way that I can't fully express. There's no seam. <laughs> And there's a part across the middle that's like knit a little differently. So it sort of hugs the arch of your foot. It makes me happy. And I don't care what people say. I love Bombas. I
0: want you to work on expressing about the toe seam, Amy. That's an assignment for you. <laughs> okay. These socks do more than keep your feet cozy, though, Amy. For every pair you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. We're talking 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of three thousand giving partners. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get
1: 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash laughing. That's
0: B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash laughing for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash laughing.
1: Beachbody On Demand is back as a sponsor this week. If you're like me, you discovered online fitness as a way to keep your sanity during these last couple of months. And with Beachbody On Demand, you get instant access to 1,300 different workouts you can stream anytime.
0: I first learned about Beachbody, and you may have too, from P90X, which is an insanely effective workout, I will say, fun and highly intense. But Beachbody also has yoga, bar, dance. There's a kids and family collection to get everybody moving. It's a huge, huge range of classes. And some of the classes get you results fast.
1: By the time it would have taken you to drive to the gym, you did the 10-minute trainer, you're done. You can use Beachbody on your
0: computer, tablet, phone, smart TV, anywhere you are. Listeners of the What Fresh Health podcast can try Beachbody for free. You can get a special free Beachbody trial membership when you text laughing to 30. 30, 30. You will get free full
1: access to the entire Beachbody On Demand platform. All the workouts, all the support, all the content, totally free by texting laughing to 303030. 30, 30. Check it out.
0: Amy and I thought it would be fun to go back a generation. And so Amy called up her mom and interviewed her. And I lost my mom last year, so I had a proxy in the form of my Aunt Terry. And so now we're going
2: back a generation to find out, did they really do that? Every parent my age and your mother would have said, we had play pens kid didn't get out of the playpen. One of my friends kept her youngest in the playpen so long he only learned to walk sideways. He didn't know you could stride.
3: One of the first things I thought of was dropping you off at kindergarten on a day when there was to be no kindergarten and then uh, taking off for a morning of errands and coming back at 1130 to find you sitting at the desk with a teacher.
4: I, that was day was one of the greatest days of my life. I kind of remember that day.
3: I was wondering I if you would. <laughs> I remember just feeling like, oh, they are just going to know I'm the worst mother in the world.
0: You have how many kids of your own? Five. And I mean, you did it. They all survived to adulthood.
2: They did not kill each other or themselves. That was my whole point in my life.
0: Major high
2: five. Yeah. I had four children and the oldest was just four. And I was completely out of my mind most of the time, and I did love them. That that helped. At one point, I seriously considered throwing one of them out the window. But you didn't. I didn't. You know why I didn't? Because we were only on the second floor, and I figured he wouldn't die; he'd just break a lot of bones.
0: And that would only add to your problems, really.
4: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so go back. So I'm a freshman in college, and you came for visiting a visiting weekend, and yes. you said you had something You and Dad said you had something to tell me. And you said, could you please speak to me privately? And I couldn't imagine what you were going to say. I mean, I had no idea. I thought, I guess they're getting divorced, which didn't didn't seem likely. But I couldn't imagine what else you'd have to tell tell us that was that nobody else could hear.
3: And then we said, uh, you're going to have a new younger brother or sister, because of course at that time you didn't know these things. And uh, I think we let. Then we had to leave shortly thereafter, and I think we left you in a state of shock.
0: Did you have a nanny? Oh my God, no!
2: One of my granddaughters asked me about since I didn't have a car either, wh- how I got to play dates. I said, "Playdates? I mean, we never even thought of that. They had each other. Why would it take them someplace?"
4: Do you, do you look back, just just, ha- just having a, a, a child of forty-three? Does that seem like I can't believe I can't believe I did that, or is it more the six kids part?
3: I think it's that, the the, the age, uh, the forty-three thing. I mean, now it seems like well, of course, you know, and I do hear of other people, and and um, actually, it's it's a wonderful thing because you have such a perspective on life by that point. I think that you don't have when you're in your twenties.
2: I think most. I'm sorry about this, young young mothers. I think most young mothers it just they they overthink the whole thing, and they're much too involved. Every so often, I would take one of my granddaughters to a little gym class when her mother was busy, and I'd wind up sitting with all the mothers, and I'd hear them talking about the different shoe that the daughter liked, or that, or the teacher in in nursery school who didn't uh, appreciate the way they handled blocks. I mean, they were they were involved in the minutia of their children's lives.
4: So I have two sisters who are less than a year apart. There's six days less than a year apart.
3: That was probably the biggest challenge and I do remember being home with them uh, well say Eileen being the younger one. She was probably a week old maybe and Molly was uh, a year not well Molly was just a year old and I can remember dad coming in and I was just like sitting at the at the kitchen table with my head down just like crying and Nothing was really wrong, but it was just like, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. Because it, I, my prayer all day was, let one be asleep while the other one's up. You know, that was, so that was a big challenge.
2: When I had the four, we were living over my parents' garage with a low-ceilinged little apartment up there. My husband was six foot five. Right away, it was he was always knocking himself out. It was not easy. I washed diapers. We didn't
3: have disposable diapers then.
2: I washed diapers. I had three in diapers for like three years.
3: I remember, well, I was a lunch mother for, I figured last night, 27 years in total. And I can remember uh, Michael being the youngest and being in first grade. And I was there doing lunch duty. And one of his classmates said to me, are you a lunch mother or a lunch grandmother? (laughs) and I uh, and before I could say anything he just looked at her and he said she has that gray hair because I have much older brothers and sisters
2: and the one thing I learned early on was never tell them the food has names because then they might have an opinion
3: and of course I can never never overestimate the help that I had with having grandma uh, in residence you know
4: just to- oh yeah my my
3: this is this is
4: my dad's mom she lived with us she lived right up right upstairs right in her own an apartment in our house uh,
3: I could always leave somebody with her or they didn't have to miss an app or whatever while I was attending to Whoever had to go to the dentist or who had a game or whatever. Mine, we just put
2: them out the door and don't come back. When we finally had a house, I had a bell, a big cowbell like on the porch. And I would ring that bell when they would take them home for dinner.
3: One of the biggest things that ever happened was coming downstairs and finding them in the kitchen with Eileen in the cupboard, uh, having gotten out the vitamins, and they had both OD'd on children's vitamins, and I almost died, really. I think that had to be the scariest moment, <laughs> and then you know, running to the store to get the Ipecac and forcing them to keep dancing until they would throw up. They told you that there's,
4: that they, they probably did need to throw them up because there was too much fluoride in it, right? And so you had right. to give them syrup a bit of cack, which I don't think they really do that anymore, but it induces it induces vomiting, and then you put on a Sesame Street LP and you had them drink milk we, and then dance around in the kitchen. Is that right?
3: We were dancing in the kitchen, and Eileen kept saying, <laughs> I don't want to dance anymore. I'm tired. You know? <laughs> she was only two, you know. <laughs> but I said, nope, you have to keep dancing, and, and so we did, and they survived it. But, oh, the, I panicked. I mean, I, I actually was trying to I grabbed the scissors out of my purse to start the car with. I was sure that I lost my parent card that day. (laughs) didn't even have a
2: stroller. Who could fit in the stroller?
3: You you hear parents talking about, well, the toddler phase, the teenage phase, whatever. We were going through all of them simultaneously, really.
0: (laughs) So when you look back on all of those things, what is your ultimate, did I really do that moment?
2: Well, I'll tell you the hardest part, and this will sound so archaic to you, but at the time it made sense to me. Even though I had all these little children, my mother had insisted that children wore white shoes. Only orphans wear brown shoes. So I ended every day, when I could barely keep my eyes open, repolishing the little shoes. Only orphans wear brown shoes. Yep. never heard that theory before. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of, th- a lot of theories. <laughs>
0: Someone just stopped me at a baseball game yesterday, basketball game yesterday to say how much they love my book of Meg. So the book of Meg is a blank book and in it, I keep all my calendars. I plan out my meals for the week. I keep my to-do list. Basically, everything that I need to do ends up in the Book of Meg. And it's very hot right now because I I went
1: digital, but and now I'm moving back towards the paper planner, being like the whole bullet journal craze everybody's talking about. Because it is there's something more satisfying about it, and it really
0: helps you narrow things down to and what's it's very truly kind important. Kind of Pinteresty tastic. But a lot of people I know sit look at the Book of Meg and they say, "Well, I could never do that." But you know how you can do that. Erin wow. Condren, Amy. Erin Condren makes planners, like, you know, day planners. People have all sorts of different names for them. your book, your planner, your scheduler, but basically they are bound books that have pre-made pages in them so that you can keep track of your whole crazy life.
1: Yeah, but the the way Erin Condren does it, because I've designed one of these books for myself, it's a lot more than just a calendar. You can put in your, like a monthly to-do page, or you can add extra blank pages. There's tons of stickers so you can format it exactly the way you want, including do I want it to be a vertical layout or a horizontal layout, by the week, by the day, you can decide all of that. So you're going to go to Erin Condren and you're going to design your own life planner with the kind of calendars you want and as many stickers you want. And it can say Book of Meg in the cover. It can say it can say whatever you want to say. And it's going to look so much cooler than you could make it look yourself.
0: Guys, it's hard to explain these things. You got to go look at them. Go to bit.ly forward slash Erin Fresh and check one out. That's bit.ly forward slash Erin Fresh. Erin Condren, life planned. And now back to our episode. Okay, we're back. I hope you all called your moms and your mothers-in-laws to apologize during the break. Oh Tell my them, God, right? You'll never, you'll never write them notes again.
1: I think we should pivot to the positive—the things that we did. Let's pivot
0: that were not. We've so. said a lot of positives, though. Oh, yeah, have, this means, hasn't been
1: too negative. You're right. No, no, it's all it's all stuff that we survived, but. Um, it, this, this is stuff that I think sometimes also. This is what happens when you have a second baby, right? So the first, the first baby, you're trying to hyper organize and label the pacifiers and things. The second baby, I felt this need, at least I'll speak for myself, to to be like everything's fine and I can still do everything with two babies that I did with one. And so we took our 19 uh, month old son to see the Wiggles. We'll do lots sure alert. you did. The Wiggles in concert. That was a good investment. When our baby, our second baby, was about eight days old.
0: We went to the <laughs> went Was eight was with you?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Because I was breastfeeding in, you know, every 35 seconds. And so, yeah. So we went to, and we went to like an amphitheater with 10,000 people at it. And I brought this tiny, tiny baby <laughs> because we had tickets for the Wiggles. And my older son loved the Wiggles. And we were going. The one advice for... A little baby is don't
0: take them out in public with a ton of people.
1: I've never, I never have paid attention to that because I live in New York City, right? I mean, I, I had, I guess you're right. I had my second baby at the playground when he was about three days old because they said, get him out in the
0: sunshine. He, right. He, but that's outside. I mean, an amphitheater is, is pretty much it's a just little a intense. a giant it was, germ factor. It was a silly, silly idea because. Uh,
1: Not only did the eight-day-old not pay any attention to the Wiggles, guess who else didn't pay any attention to the Wiggles? The toddler who had skipped his nap and who was too young to even fully process that this TV show that he liked, now they were really here in front of him, albeit, you know, 2,000 feet away and the size of Lego minifigures. He just, he didn't get it. He was ready to go after 15 minutes And I was You were out a ton of dough and everyone was miserable. Yes, like completely sleep deprived. And it was a terrible idea, but I think it was born out of my good intentions to to
0: be like, I can do this, I can do this. Yeah, I would go to a touchstone piece of advice of mine, which is beware of the phrase, this will be fun. When you find yourself thinking that, you have to really re examine your choices. Because there are things that you think are gonna be fun that are fun. But there's a lot of like, let's go to New York City and see Elmo live with three kids. You're just spending a ton of money. You're creating expectations of fun. And are you sure it's really going to be fun? It might be better to just take one kid with one parent. It might just be better. I just think sometimes there's a trap of like, this will be fun. Maybe if you have to say, this will be fun, you should just check it. Just, just double check, check that, plan. that
1: instinct to that reassurance you're trying to give yourself is, in fact, a warning. Yes, it's it a flashing red light. Beware, so, beware, danger. In this, so in this vein, we have a listener named Beth, and she says, we took a three-week road trip from New York to the Florida Keys, a road trip, people, with a nine-week-old... I was breastfeeding in the car somehow, and a 19-month-old who watched Barney DVDs the entire
0: ride. Okay, full disclosure, I know Beth in real life. She co-leads my Boy Scout troop with me, and I want to say that despite this Facebook post, she is an extremely wise and normal person, which you would not believe, having read that she took A 19-month-old? Yes, and a
1: nine-week-old. And a nine-week-old to the Florida Keys on a a, a car trip. She drove to Florida with them, yes. Yeah, Beth, that was a really bad idea. Um, Posey is another listener that I know. Her brother got married eight days after her fifth child was born, and Mm. the other four kids were in the wedding, and it was a destination wedding, and they all went. And she looks back on that and says, Did I really do that? And I say right now, Did you really do that? Because I can't, <laughs> that's incredible. I can't get, wrap my head around that. I couldn't,
0: I, I, yeah. Even just, I would have to go in like a shower curtain tied around my neck. Like the idea, I the one thing I never did with any of my kids until they were like at least six weeks old was wear regular clothes. Yeah, I can't imagine what, Yeah. I was like in my, the idea of being dressed and in makeup with a 9-day old baby and four other kids participating that you were wrangling. No, thank I you. I can't imagine it. I was in my sister's wedding, but
1: my youngest was 3 months old and still it was as you say it was a very uh moving goalpost in terms of what size of anything I was going to need and and my my daughter, daughter, like, like how do you know to fit
0: in and we were in my sister-in-law's wedding and my Youngest was just turning a year old, and having kids in a wedding is just such a high maintenance event. It's tough. We've talked about that. It's it's risky. Two
1: babies in
0: tuxedos, like you know what that's it. You know what it is. It's a this should be fun. It's such a this should be fun. This should be cute. There's a lot of expectations. It's just fundamentally not a kid friendly event, and so you're there trying to have a good time and. The one thing we did that was smart was we hired a... It was a destination. We hired a babysitter there. So we were able pretty quickly, like once the kids made it down the aisle, they were like in little wool tuxedos. It was a hot day. And 20 minutes into the wedding, one of my kids was like nude in a diaper. I mean, it was just unsightly. But we survived. We did really do that. But then we just handed them off. I was like, get them out of here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. I think that's good. And I still can't believe you did it. I still say... We survived. Hats off to you. Did you ever fly with your with your kids solo? Because I used to do that all the time, and I look back on it. I, I I had three under five, including a newborn, and I flew with them often by myself. All the time. Yeah. Cross and,
0: country. Uh, from New York to I Florida, did. from Florida to New York. Yeah. I flew California to New York. Oh wow. Okay. A lot with a layover with kids. Yeah. By myself.
1: And have to take and go three, to the bathroom. Three, two, and zero. And did you? I was wearing my youngest one, you know, on a sling, and I had the other two like one by each hand. And but if you have to go to the bathroom, you have to take all three of them into the. No, stall you with don't. You.
0: Word to the wise. This is my flying tip. The minute you get on the plane, you look for a friendly grandma, and right away <laughs> so you're, you're like, my "Hey, my friendly grandma! <laughs> hey, friendly grandma! I need some help with my kids." And whenever you have to go to the bathroom, friendly grandma watches the kids.
1: Well, once you're on the plane, yeah, this was this was in the the airport. Oh, in the
0: airport too. Everywhere you go, friendly grandma. There's always a friendly grandma. She's knitting. She's reading. She's got gray hair. She's got a friendly face. She might have an animal made of yarn on her sweater. These are the things you want to look for. (laughs) If I have have a yarn animal on my sweater, that means I'm ready to watch your kids for you while you run to the bathroom. It's exactly it. A yarn animal will let you know that that person should. It's completely fine to watch your kids.
1: That's who I tell. That's actually who I tell my kids to look for if they're ever lost.
0: Yarn, yarn animal wearing I n- grandma? I haven't
1: said yarn animal. I'm going to start. But I say I right. look for, I look for an, a nice lady with kids. Somebody with kids already with them. That's who I want you to go up to and say I'm lost. I need help. That's, I got that idea from this book, The Gift of Fear. And I thought that was a really good idea. Because that's because who else but a mom? I mean, I've been that person, haven't you? The kid who's lost and you just yeah. drop everything
0: to, to help this kid figure out what they need. Yeah. I just tell my children to look for any adult because statistically, it would be extremely unlikely for your kid to stop someone who was like, oh, today's the day I want to lamp a child <laughs> improvisationally.
1: <laughs> Debbie says that she took her week old firstborn out for a walk in her brand new stroller, doing great so far. Feeling so impressed with herself. Look how healthy I'm being. My baby's getting all this fresh air. And she sunburned her baby. Oh, did it. I did it too, Debbie. Me too. My mother did it to my younger brother. And we still talk about it
0: many many years later. Yeah, I feel like that's an easy one to do, sunburn the baby. But it's they get sunburn real quick those babies. They're they, really tricky that way. They get sunburn really quick and you,
1: you know, this whole thing about don't put don't put sun um sunscreen on a baby under 6 months that's old. That's right. They're not allowed to wear sunscreen. But real do you know what that's really about? No. It's about because they don't want babies to be in the sun. Like babies shouldn't be have sun exposure and so they're telling us don't put sunscreen on babies because they want us to just keep babies out of the sun. It's the same thing with Babies under two shouldn't be watching screens, not because it's somehow going to warp their brains, but it's because babies under two should be doing other things besides watching screens. So they just tell us don't let them watch screens, and don't put sunscreen on them because they don't want parents to be like, "Well, they we have sunscreen on, so now they can take a nap in the sun." Oh, that's a fun fact. Yeah, yeah. So don't. So I. I mean, I. I think it's better to put sunscreen on a baby than, than not to if they have to be in the sun. But poor Debbie, she did neither, and <laughs>
3: she...
1: I hope you've forgiven yourself, Debbie.
0: Oh, Debbie, it's fine.
1: We all make mistakes. We all end up with a sunburned kid once in a while. My my mom put my uh, brother to sleep. This was like on the beach, you know, forty something years ago, and she put a blanket over his face. But he kind of like moved out from underneath the blanket during his nap, and so he woke up with a total like stripe down the middle of his face, like he was a uh, college football fan or something. Like one side <laughs> red, one side white.
0: Listen, it happens,
1: people. And I guess this is all about being kind to yourself when you make these small, Oh, yeah. I mean, raise your hand if you've
0: got a sunburned kid. Everybody does. Yeah. Fine. Debbie, you're in good company around here. No one's judging you. Do you want to hear something completely stupid that I
1: did? I look back and think that I really do that. Maybe it wasn't stupid. I would be
0: delighted to.
1: But you're going to make fun of me. I know. It's all right. It (laughs) happens. Um, I tried to keep... I tried to keep guns out of our house, not literal guns. I mean, any guns out of my house when, when I had two little boys, like I'm just not going to have them, not water pistols, not this and this. Right. Um, And my mother gave one of my boys a book about, like, you know, Tommy Cowboy. It was sort of an old-fashioned—my mother loves those retro little golden books, which I love also. But she gave him one that was all about, like, he holstered his gun and he gets on his rocking horse. And I actually took a pen and I, like, carefully, like, crossed out the half a sentence (laughs) about— a gun. I crossed it I'm out in the going book. going to make fun of you. I didn't get rid of the book. I just crossed out the the sent half sentence about a gun. Uh, I it have a story. Work.
0: A similar story. My brother and his wife had a similar approach. Like, oh, we don't have to have guns, toy guns, play guns. And at some point they had two boys and they heard them, they were reading, they'd been reading like Little House on the Prairie or one of those like prairie type, you know, oldie, oldie timey books like that. And they heard this like, unbelievable racket downstairs like crashing and um, my sister-in-law went running downstairs and said well what is going on down here and her son was like we are hunting a bear and we're beating him to death with a stick (laughs) and she was like yeah it's okay to pretend gun Like, because they were wrecking the entire house, pretending to beat a bear to death, and they were like, "Just pretend to shoot it; it's fine." <laughs> Let's bring this um, to a more more neat conclusion. And my sister also has a friend from college who grew up in like some like very hippie atmosphere where they had no toys, and they were like, "We're not going to gender the kids and like live in the woods, whatever." Like hardcore, you know, out off the grid childhood. And she said that her brother carried a stick everywhere and shot pe- people with it, and she carried a stick everywhere like a doll, like a baby doll. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of what we're coming back to is the theme of the illusion of maternal control. Oh my gosh. But do, have you ever read, when you said that the prairie thing, it made me think
1: of those Little House on the Prairie books. Have you returned to those as an adult? No. A friend of mine wrote a great essay about it. I'll put it up on our show page for this episode because it's, it's about rereading Little House on the Prairie when you're a mom and not when you're a kid. So when you're oh. a kid, it's just, you go back to them as an adult and it's, there's a blizzard, they've been stuck inside the house for a week. We haven't seen Pa and he might never come back again. And there's a bear trying to get in the cabin for, you know, 36 hours while they slowly starve to death inside, but they can't leave. And when you hear these stories as a kid, they're just sort of adventurous. Like, and then Adventure. what happened? And then what happened? And you read it as an adult and you're like, what this woman, Ma, was Stuck inside with three and then four kids and a bear at the door and her husband's gone. And I just
0: had a snow day, one snow day, and I barely survived. And we had electricity and there was no bear. And Pa was downstairs working in his office.
1: I'm telling you, if you want to feel good about yourself, go back and read these books because it's like, did did Ma really
0: do that? And this poor woman... I think that's the theme of like, did we really do that as a mother? It's like the scales just fall from your eyes and you see how hard the world is on moms and that, 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 anybody survives it even in the best of circumstances and people do it in crazy circumstances. We have a, I have a aunt, uh, um, an aunt of my father's who I've heard my whole life, the story that she had five children under 10 she was pregnant with her sixth and her husband went out and was playing tennis and dropped dead of a heart attack. And she had to raise all the children herself. And I've heard this story a million times and I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Well, I guess she did it. Never, right. never that bad. I gave birth to a kid and immediately I was like, why haven't we erected a statue to her in mm-hmm. like the family common area? Like why don't at every family gathering, we all just gather around and rub her feet and like give her chocolate. Like I don't. The story seemed so different to me when I had a kid. It sure does. Because she did. She really
1: did do all that, and and she and she makes it look easy. I think it's just we make it all look so easy most of the time, and we do do it all right most of the time, and uh, and, and it's it's remarkable. And so then, yeah. Sometimes we screw things up, but we forgive ourselves. All right, hit me with a couple Always more before we go our from ourselves. the Facebook page. All right, hold on. The poop log—that
0: is an amazingly hilarious one that <laughs> so many people are
1: guilty of. Who kept a poop log? Uh, I did. I kept a, and, and in the end, it was my saving grace. My because my oldest baby had uh, reflux, and I kept a like waking and sleeping log. Like every time he. This is when he woke up. This is when he went to bed, and this is when he nursed. And it it didn't make any sense. It looked like a computer punch card. It was completely random, and uh, it was good. I kept it because I brought it to his four week appointment, and then his six week appointment, and then his eight week appointment. And like this, you know, this is what he's this is what he's doing. And when they saw he was doing a twenty five minute stretch, longest stretch all night long, they then then they started listening to me when he was about eight weeks old. Um, but yeah, that those charts are loco.
0: We watched my sister's two boys. They went away for a trip and her second son was um, toilet training and kind of at the end of it. But I was a little bit like, I'm not sure whether I'm up for this. Like I'm up to babysit for five days, but I'm not really sure I'm down with like this kid peeing on my couch, you know, like maybe we'll go back in diapers for the days where you guys are away. But they had been keeping some sort of chart to more of a reward chart with like the peeing and pooping in the toilet. And then they went away and their older son, who's like very kind of particular about stuff the first morning, he's like, don't worry. I have taken over the chart and I have a full log of all the poops and peace. And so they were wherever they were, Jamaica, I think. And they would call home and their son would get on and be like, he peed three times and pooped in the toilet. And it was like, this is a lot of information about poop and pee. <laughs> to be getting while you're on vacation in Jamaica.
1: But did you did you play the role of the mother-in-law in this uh, interaction and not say you guys are crazy? Did you just smile indulgently and keep no, your No, I totally to made fun
0: of them and told them they were all <laughs> insane. <laughs> you, little boy, are insane. And I was like, and listen, if that kid pees on my couch twice, he's going back in diapers. But he didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, the, the poop and they're all log, here. I mean, don't tell people that the sleep log worked, Amy, because the sleep log is loco. The sleep log is, is loco, Um there's apps that you're like waking, sleeping, feeding. Just cut that all
1: out. I think what it is, it's, it's it's this sort of rage for order on something that's just going to be disorderly
0: for a long time and cuckoo. That's, it's such a false, it's such a false prophet. Your life is completely out of control, no matter how many times you check the app for waking and sleeping. Now, if your child, as Amy's was, or mine has been, or whatever, I have kids who have had different medical issues, have taken different medications, I, while they're taking medications or not taking medications or having a very specific issue with their digestion, their sleep, whatever, I will keep more careful track of what's going on with them day to day so that I can make an assessment about whether or not that particular medication is working or not. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. That's you the- do not need to log a child's pee and poop every day. I mean- my son came home from the hospital and we were like supposed to be logging his pees and poops. And after 24 hours, after being home from the hospital, I realized he hadn't peed once. And I was like, Hmm, that doesn't seem good. And I took him to the hospital. And in fact, his little pee pee hole was not opened. And so, but guess what? I didn't need a log to realize that my kid hadn't peed in a day. Yeah.
1: You just needed to be told that that that
0: you at all was something you need to be watching out for. But I right? didn't even need to be told that. I was like, "Hmm, kid hasn't peed in a day. That doesn't seem normal." I know that I pee six or seven times a day. I just think some of this stuff like makes you it robs you of trusting your instincts. It robs you of
1: trusting your instincts. That's right. And your instincts get you through these crazy, crazy times. Like you're, you know. Oh, I don't know. I had to take take one of my kids to the emergency room, sort of holding his eyebrow like onto his head and and you know, with and with the three year old crying about it and having a complete breakdown about his brother bleeding like next to me in the taxi. And you just do stuff. You just you just rise to these incredible occasions when they come and all the charts in the world don't don't help at those moments. You just have to rise to the occasion and and you will, you'll get through.
0: I have a shout out from our Facebook page too, to Robert. Oh yeah. That was such a cute one. That was. He said,
1: yes, Robert said his baby would not stop crying at 3 o'clock in the morning, so he put her in her car seat and he drove 50 miles on the freeway to get her to go back to sleep.
0: <laughs> I just love that one. It's so cute and daddish ish Yeah. Uh, it's true, like for dads too. It's just there's something about having kids. And I say this all the time. One of the things I've really been surprised by how much I enjoy about having kids is that it kind of opens your world up to a lot of fun that you were missing and I was single for you know almost two decades and so you know I got married at 37 and just finding myself back at a pumpkin patch and like an amusement park I do I find that very fun and joyful like oh, It's fun to go apple picking. I never did that from the time I was 18 to the time I was 38, you know, and I think there's something there's something about driving your kid around at three o'clock in the morning that is like nothing you'll ever do. There's something that feels so good about it. You'll, you'll look back on those moments and they're the moments that are the good stories. And even at the time, even if you're tired, you're driving 50 miles, at three o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this because you might fall asleep. But I, my husband always says about the first night we spent in the hospital, I was asleep and our oldest woke up, new baby. And he was like, uh, it, the baby woke him up and not me. I was passed out. And he's like, uh, and he just put his hand on the baby and started rocking it and it went back to sleep. And he was like, it was the greatest feeling I've ever had. Like, I did that, you know? It just taps into a lot of things about, it just, uh, I've said it before, but it's like, it's like opening a door. Do you ever have the dream where you open a door in your house and there's a whole section of your house that you didn't realize was there? I have that dream like every other night, I swear. I've 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 had it so often, I've recognized it. And do you know what it's really a dream about? No. Untapped potential and possibilities in your life. Which is sort of cool. But- I think having kids is that it's so metaphorically like that. Like you open this door and all these things you never knew you were capable of, you wanted to do, you were able to do. It's like finding another wing of your house. I like that. It's fun. That's good perspective. Yeah. And we really did it. You really did it. The good, the bad, the happy, and the sad. We did it all. <laughs> we did it all. What's, um, what's fun about this is
1: hearing from our from our Facebook listeners. We love when we throw out ideas like this. People really respond.
0: And it's really, it's really fun to be a part of a conversation with you guys. Yeah, and you guys can always keep the conversation going by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast. When you get there, I want you to do two things. I want you to like the page. So when you get to the page, make sure you're liking the page because it's already hard enough with Facebook's craziness to get content to you guys. So make sure you like the page. And then also please share our episodes on your own Facebook page. It helps a lot of new people find the podcast. And that's what we're going for. That'd be great. You could also find us on Instagram
1: at @whatfreshhellcast and on Twitter at WFH podcast. And of course, on our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. That's where we put up links to everything.
0: And we're going to have pictures of Amy and I with perms. Oh gosh, I got to dig that up. Yep. I know. I I think I found mine recently. Uh, You're not going to want to miss that. Mine is hideous. And uh, also, guys, we have a live show coming up April 19th in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And it's going to be super fun. Ticket information on our website. And if you would like us to come and perform for your PTA, your local organization's Mom Night Out, or in your local theater, reach out to us at info at whatfreshallpodcast.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.